This is where they are building the largest nuclear fusion reactor in the world. Yeah, a friend of mine told me I had to check out this pool. America on Main Street and at the dinner table is talking about infrastructure when 20 years ago they didn't even know what that meant. Today, those towers are an astounding display of wealth, prestige, and engineering firms. It's impacting everyday Americans. I am against the train the way it's being done right now. New York City housing is a scam. It is a scam, 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 scam. The Shard in central London is being officially opened today and at 310 metres tall, it's Europe's newest and tallest skyscraper. Hello, I'm Fred Mills. And this is the world's best construction podcast by the B1M. Hello and welcome to your latest episode of the World's Best Construction Podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by James Hardy. I'm your host, Fred, and as always, I'm being weighed down by Luke Bly and Liam Marsh. How are you doing, guys? Yeah, good, mate. That's, uh, that's not very nice, is it? Nah. It's in keeping with how I'm treated most of the time. <laughs> I think you're treated pretty well, Fred. You know, you're the prince of the podcast, I'd say. I didn't think I'd say you're holding us down, to be honest. Mm. <laughs> mm. how are things done under mate good 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 mate um yeah good to be honest i am spending my time i'm trying to, trying to do renovations and i'm trying to navigate the world of uh realistic uh quotes from builders and realizing what's just you know people clipping the ticket everywhere they turn <laughs> and who's genuine it's quite it's quite a, i don't know if anyone if anyone's in sydney and knows a good builder uh, please reach out to us and send their details. I would find that greatly appreciated. It's a uh, it's a minefield, mate. I'm getting quotes <laughs> for like, you know, the size of a deposit on a house just to do a kitchen bathroom. It's unreal. Goodness me, expensive part of the world, eh? Mm. But yeah, it's it's good, mate. Life's good. It's all good. How um how are things with you? Yeah, very good. Just got back from the Faroe Islands, which was very very exciting. We finally Ooh. made it over to the Faroe Islands last week. Uh, me, Jim, and Adam, which was awesome. Funny enough, we tried to get there. You guys won't remember. We did a video on the B1M a few years ago, mid-2022. We tried to get there in the summer. and couldn't because of a storm, but managed to get there in the depths of February, and it was awesome. Amazing, amazing place. I'm really looking forward to bringing that 30-minute documentary out on the B1M at Easter this year. So, yeah. Did you guys did you guys fly there last time, Fred? With your flights cancelled, or were you? We did, yeah. So there's no direct flights from the UK, uh, although they're actually starting direct flights from Gatwick uh, in the summer of this year. But uh, yeah, so you have to fly to Copenhagen and then wait around in Copenhagen for about four hours and then fly up to the Faroe Islands. So all in all, it's a long day of travelling, especially when you get there because you have to then drive about fifty minutes through tunnels and over icy mountains in the pitch black. Um, so I had a very long day getting there, but we made it. Mm. It looked beautiful, mate, from the updates on Instagram. You know, yeah, like, wow, it's yeah. beautiful, isn't it? I don't want to spoil it too much, right? Because the story we're telling is awesome. It's coming out in a few weeks on the B1M. Yeah. But just the experience, the air quality, the the way the weather changes like four or five times in a day is incredible. Uh, but one night we were in our hotel. I think it was the middle night we were there, the Wednesday night. We were in our hotel. And all of a sudden there was like this enormous explosion and the whole building shook. And we all started messaging each other like, what? Did you feel that? What the hell just happened? And I thought at first, when it first started, when the room first started shaking, I was like, "That's that's an earthquake." Um. Anyway, Jim popped down to reception, and it turned out that uh, they're building an outdoor pool 
and they were doing a dynamite blast in the rock to help construct the pool and they forgot to tell any of the guests about it. Apparently this is like a regular thing because because the Faroe Islands, right, it's, there's no trees. It's very it's like, it's like solid rock everywhere you look. Uh, they they use the drill and blast method to build these tunnels, which I'll tell you about in a few weeks' time. But it's basically to dig anything in the earth, you've got to use dynamite. So they basically were blowing up, <laughs> blowing a hole to build an outdoor pool in, uh, and that's what we <laughs> that's what we felt when we were sat in our hotel room after a long days filming. Unbelievable. What what time was this? That what, what? Well, this is the thing, right? It was about six o'clock. So we just got back to the hotel. We got in, put our stuff down. We were just sort of turning ourselves around before we went out for dinner. Uh, and then at six o'clock in the evening, this enormous explosion went off to the point where, like, people at breakfast the next morning were all chatting about it. Like, you know, did you feel did you feel the building shake last night? Hilarious. Other Fa- than that, it was a very uh, pleasant stay. Farrow time. Farrow time, maybe. You know, maybe they work. Maybe they work like start work late and end late. Maybe Farrow. What are you saying, Farrow? Pharaoh, Pharaoh. It's Pharaoh Islands, isn't it? It's pasta. Oh, this is a pyramid, mate. Pharaoh. It's not the Pharaoh Islands, is it? Pharaoh. It's the Pharaoh Islands. Pharaoh Islands. Where are you? It's not Pharaoh. Pharaoh is only rules over Egypt, mate. Um, (laughs) (laughs) My son is doing the ancient Egyptians at school, and when I saw them off to the Pharaoh Islands, he was like, "The Pharaohs." (laughs) 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 Different, different place. Anyway, Um, pronounced the Pharaoh Islands. Right. How you been, Luke? Right. Yeah, no, mate, it's uh it's been a little bit of a quiet week here, mate. Um, similar to Liam, bit of uh, renovation on the old house and stuff. But uh this this little recent article from the New York Times about the oh. London skyline, mate, this got me going. This got me going. <laughs> um, Everyone's talking about this. Yeah, yeah. New York Times columnist Peter Coy has argued that London Towers were a jarring profusion of odd skyscrapers with funny names or nicknames. And he describes it all as a mess. He, he takes a shot at the walkie-talkie. Mm, you know, good it's, man. Good but man. The, but the thing is, uh, is, it, is it that bad? Is it really? Especially, like, well, this I think is... it's a bit rich coming from New York, like the, the land of the pencil skyscraper. <laughs> You know, yeah, no, yeah. No, nothing's perfect. Nothing's perfect. Just wound me up a little bit. I was like, "This is a bit that, random." That opinion piece has uh, stirred stirred up the architectural scene in the UK. No end this week. There's been mm. counter pieces written, and yeah, it's yeah. pretty. I th- I think he's got a point. To be honest, I think as you know, I think we've got a bit too many novelty skyscrapers here. Walkie talkie chief among them. Goodness yeah. me, Stay really, there. mate. But that's what makes that's what makes London so unique. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would you would you just prefer a a very minimal, basic? No, I think you can have one or two iconic glass boxes. A chicken, a chicken korma, chicken korma. I think you can. It sounds like you're saying (laughs) you can have real vanilla. You can have one or two (laughs) novelty skyscrapers that are icons, but if you just make everything as novelty and different, it starts to look a bit stupid after a while. And this thing about preserving the sight lines is important. It's just got a bit daft. Oh, mate. I think if we've done it for this long, you might just well crack on with it. Like, you know, if you've <laughs> preserved that sight line for this long, like, just lean into it, you know? I, you know what I think we should do? I think we should have an audience poll on this. I think we should. I'll do it yeah. on socials, mate. 
do it on social. Yeah, listen, London skyline, good or bad. It doesn't mean we can't crit- criticize, right, or critique the sky. There are things that should be better, right? It's just I don't know if it's completely warranted the way this uh, columnist uh, described London skyline. But hey, mm. it's getting people talking about it, and I think that's exactly. It's almost good. like it was written to stir debate and drive online traffic. Oh. Mm. It's like oh. it's designed to to for clicks. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> this will wind them up. Post it, post it. <laughs> anyway, guys, coming up on today's episode, we are talking about the $42 billion plan to rebuild the world's unluckiest city. Also in the news, we're going to be covering New York's new Freedom Plaza skyscrapers and Dubai's Foster and Partners designed Twin Towers. As always, whole thing is going to be peppered with some of your messages and comments from the week. Let's go. First of this week, we are talking about the $42 billion plan to rebuild the world's unluckiest city. Now, in this video, we are heading down to Christchurch on the South Island of New Zealand. Now, as you know, New Zealand sits on the Ring of Fire, which is a string of volcanoes and seismically active sites around the Pacific Ocean. And New Zealand is positioned at the intersection of two tectonic plates. Now, on average, there are 14,000 earthquakes a year in New Zealand, but most of them are minor and you can't even feel them. What the city of Christchurch wasn't prepared for was two massive earthquakes hitting it in just the space of a couple of months. So back in 2010, it was hit by a 7.1 magnitude earthquake. And then just a few months later, it was hit again by a 6.3 quake. Now, the devastation that caused was pretty shocking. You might remember this on the news from, from that time. Around 80% of the city was razed, destroyed, uh, and it was the costliest natural disaster in the city's history. And the estimated cost to rebuild Christchurch, uh, as we've suggested in the title, is 42 billion US dollars. Pretty uh, shocking story. I remember this story unfolding at the time. It was so sad to see. But what we really do in this video is talk about uh, how Christchurch is rebuilding, the extent of the works involved, and we kind of pick on one building, which is the Christchurch Cathedral, which has very much become a symbol of that rebuilding effort. Kind of like first pass. I know Liam, you're from New Zealand. First pass on this. What what do you guys make of this story uh, about the rebuilding of Christchurch? I mean, if something like this were to happen to any home, any big city, any uh, town that you know you, the listener, live in. It, it it would completely change your life, wouldn't it? Everything around you would change. I find it hard to imagine something like this happening on my doorstep, right? That's partly because we don't have big earthquakes in this part of the world, but seeing the footage in the video, um, yeah, it was a real reminder that this can just happen out of nowhere to to anyone in any part of the world. And it's a good reminder of, why we got to build things properly as well you know buildings need to be built with uh, a rocky future in mind yeah it was it was it was powerful mate and this kind of like slipped my mind this disaster there's been so many disasters you know in the last like 10 years that sadly they it's easy to forget about them which is it feels like an awful thing to say but um, yeah, it's important to revisit this this sort of topic. I think, especially from like a construction industry perspective, yeah, powerful. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty glad we've um, 
done a video on it, to be honest. Um, we've actually, I've had quite a few friends sort of mention it over the years. I've had friends that were down there at the time. I think my mum was actually there um, living there at the time as well. So it was a, yeah, it was, it was obviously a pretty scary place to be. Then I think, what was it? It was the main earthquake, 7.1. And then a few months later, it was hit by another 6.3 quake that yeah. obviously did, did even more damage. So that's it's pretty scary how un- obviously it's not predictable, right? You can't predict mm-hmm. these things. So just sort of echoing what Luke said, it's good now, I suppose. I don't know. They're still slowly rebuilding it. And it was, what, 14 years ago. But taking into consideration, um, you know, earthquake-proof construction buildings, you know, especially where they sit, Um on the ring of fire um, to obviously future proof the city and people. Yeah. I think, I think the issue here was like you say, the fact that two earthquakes happened so close together, you had a load of buildings that were structurally weakened and undermined. Um, you had recovery and early rebuilding efforts going on. And then you had another earthquake come into that situation. It was just, yeah, tragic, tragic thing. Um, now, obviously, it's impossible to cover every aspect of the rebuilding of an entire city as much as we'd like to. We'd like to do like a two-hour deep dive on this, but uh, unfortunately, we couldn't do that. So in this video, we focused on the rebuilding of the 19th century Christchurch Cathedral. And this building is very much an emblem of the city, and it kind of became symptomatic of the city's rebuilding. Now, we acknowledge, and it's worth saying, there are many, many more more critically important uh, structures that were being constructed or reconstructed really quickly you know things that really matter in a city homes hospitals schools infrastructure but the rebuilding of the cathedral really became part of the city's core and identity and as i said it became a real symbol of the rebuilding efforts so you know people looking at this might say well why prioritize the cathedral when there's other buildings that need to be rebuilt those other structures were prioritized but there's a bit of a story around the cathedral because over 700,000 people used to visit this building every year. Now that's around the that's around double the number of people that there actually are in Christchurch. So that's a huge number of visitors that used to come to this cathedral. Um, in the earthquake, the spire was destroyed as well as the upper portion of the tower. And when that collapsed, it all damaged the front of the cathedral, the western porch and some of the adjacent walls. Now at the time, when that after that first happened, they thought it would cost at least thirty million US dollars to rebuild, which was more money than the insurance of the building would cover. So in March twenty twelve, it was announced the church would be demolished and completely replaced by a new structure. Now there was a lot of outrage about that. At that point they were like, Whoa, what are you doing? This is like a symbol of our identity. We need to rebuild the cathedral as it was. Lots of people chipped in, including residents, politicians, and even a local wizard. This is a real person, <laughs> real person, real photograph of him, uh, dressed like a wizard. Uh, you wouldn't think he's, yeah, you wouldn't be mistaken. He's definitely a wizard. All those people all joined in to protest the demolition of the structure, uh, and they eventually stopped that happening uh, later in 2012. Then, in September 2017, the Anglican Synod finally voted to rebuild it with financial support from the government, uh, and the whole thing came to 91 million us dollars to rebuild it which was very very expensive so pretty good they kept the original structure and restored it right yeah absolutely mate absolutely um yeah when i was watching it and is looking at how they're going to replace it and just build a new structure it's um that'd be a massive loss for the city just just looking at um 
that conversion. So did you say it was 90, 91 million US dollars? So what, that must be mm. about 150 million in Z, around about there, 140, 150? Yeah. So, so it literally tripled yeah, cost in a few years. It's expensive projects. And this is because what they were trying to do is stabilize the existing structure and then rebuild it as it was, but better. So they put in more stuff to keep it to basically earthquake proof in the future. So the remnants of the bell tower were demolished so that they could build a new tower in its place, uh, which was identical, but it was base isolated. Now, you know, our listeners know what base isolation is, but this is where you basically put the building on little, little legs, little rubber legs that help uh, separate it from the earth around it. So that when the ground shakes, those rubber legs, which again, I've massively simplified, but these are like flexible rubber bearings they absorb, uh, sort of absorb a lot of the motion and energy, and prevent it from going on into the building. Not all of it, but most of it, and that can help keep it stable. Um, now, because the tower had completely collapsed, architects had to rely on historical drawings and photographs to reconstruct it, which I find fascinating. So, yeah, amazing stuff. Um, with the the foundations that they're putting, there we go. I'm putting my hand up with the foundations. Obviously, a lot of older buildings have the, you know, they don't have this technology because it didn't exist, right? So if there were to be like a nat- natural disaster in London, Fred, is it an obvious thing to say that the older buildings, you know, look at Houses of Parliament, maybe even uh, St Paul's, they're going to be more prone to this sort of uh, disaster than modern buildings, you know, like, a, a big old skyscraper a big old office building it depends on the construction technique so you obviously design and build for the site you've got and in london uh earthquakes are extremely rare especially big earthquakes mm. so it would be an extraordinary event to have a magnitude seven eight nine earthquake in london it'd be very very unusual um the reason i say it depends on the construction is because buildings like st paul's cathedral the houses of parliament uh, St Paul's in particular were very thick stonemason built buildings. They're actually incredibly strong and stable. Um, more modern skyscrapers, especially the ones in London, are principally designed for wind loads, uh, ground condition changes, flooding, less so earthquakes. So it does kind of vary a bit. Um, it depends on what the old building is, how main, how well maintained it's been, what site it's on. Uh, how undermined it's become, how much its foundations and angle of incidents been interrupted. So, politicians answer there, Luke. Yeah, no, I Haven't like really that. Giving you a clear, yeah. Basically, wait and see. Yeah, yeah. Have some waffle from Fred Mills. Right. Wait and see. <laughs> wait and see. I like it, mate. Yeah. Um, now, before any of the work could begin on Christchurch Cathedral, the existing structure had to be stabilised, which included the external walls that were still standing as well as the foundations themselves. So the project team had to gather kind of comprehensive information about the cathedral, its history, how it was constructed, the ground conditions, all the kind of things I've just described. Uh, Let's look at previous restoration and strengthening work, as well as work out just how much damage the earthquake had caused. They then built these huge like steel bracing frames around the building to help hold it up while the structure was checked and strengthened. You can see all those in the video. It's like a huge kind of scaffolding like a plaster cast you put around a broken leg it's that sort of thing but for a building huge huge structure kind of like an exoskeleton so the building could stay standing during the works 
Some of that steel has now become permanent and been built into the building, uh, but most of it's being cleared away again. And what I love, this is a really good, interesting fact, many of the stones that were used in the church had to be removed so the site could be cleared so they could do this stabilisation work. But each of those stones were really meticulously catalogued and tracked and labelled so they could be then shipped back in again if they could be reused. So a lot of the stones from the original structure were reused in the new structure, which I think is a really nice touch uh, to this to this story, especially as it's such a revered structure. Um, I think it's a really important thing to have done. That's similar to what they did um, with the uh, Big Ben refurb, isn't it? Yeah. Like, didn't they microchip every brick, send it up to York, get it refurbished, and then send it back, put it back in the same spot? Yeah, it was like uh, RFD tags or something, like a little chip they put on them so they could identify exactly where each piece of stone went. And it was the roof tiles in particular. They took all of Big Ben's roof tiles off, sent them up the country, refurbed them, and then sent them back and put them back on the roof in exactly the same places they'd come off. It was incredible. But then a lot of Big Ben, I think, was some of the Big Ben stonework was replaced and new stonework was put in. And I think quite a lot of Big Ben is actually new stonework. So you sort of question, well... Oh really? Much of it's still Big Ben, yeah. Yeah, like yeah, well, was, I mean, room. it's the thought that counts, right? It's a nice touch. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, <clears throat> Elizabeth Tower. I know. Before you write in and send a nasty oh. email, I know it's the Elizabeth Tower, which houses the Big Ben Bell. Yeah. Calm down. Is it? Um, Calm down. Is it the Elizabeth Tower? <laughs> is it? Heading back from London to the other side of the world, uh, stabilisation for Christchurch Cathedral finished in 2023, and work is now well underway, and they are on track to complete for 2028 which is the date they're aiming for uh huge project but i think a real nice symbol of the city's spirits the resilience and the determination to preserve what is a really core part of its identity so yeah this is a this is a sad story to start with but i think it shows again the the power of construction heritage restoration and what construction teams can do to make something like this happen is mm. Is awesome, right? It's the best of the industry. Mm. Yeah. It's center. This, this industry is center to everyone's lives. Yeah. Where you work, where you live, where you play, construction all had a hand in it. And unfortunately, sometimes it might take for a disaster for some people, some organizations, maybe even some governments to recognize that. Yeah. Mm. And it, it it is really, really important. So yeah, I like I like the story that's being presented here that, you know, it is about the human spirit, essentially. It's about community. Yeah, and that's kind of perfectly embodied in in this account with Christchurch, mate. So yeah. Mm. Talking of uh, going from London to New Zealand, this was like this is a bit of a different story. But last mm. week uh, I phoned Liam from the Faroe Islands to Sydney. We were literally talking the other side of the globe. You couldn't really get further away than the Faroe Islands to Sydney. Uh, and it was crystal clear. Absolutely crystal clear. <laughs> Real-time conversation. It's like an old man though, didn't I? But uh, yeah, what's that video calling? What's that? It's pretty <laughs> phenomenal, future, mate. It is pretty, like, it's, when you actually like... think about it, it is pretty incredible. Yeah. Should have faced got video mate. calling too, mate, in case you didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> I've got the bills for that, mate. Goodness me. <laughs> I don't want to see you anyway. Not that, not that time in the morning. I was early in the morning for me. <laughs> I think I think I might have been in New. Was I not in New Zealand when I was speaking to you? Oh, I think you were. Yeah, I think I was in New Zealand. Wow. Oh yeah, you've I mean, just been. You've just, been further apart. 
You've just yeah. been to visit your fat of course you have. Yeah. Was that all right? Was that good? It was good, mate. Yes. I was there for a very good friend's stag do or bucks do or however you say it. Yeah, stag. I love I had a lovely time. <laughs> yeah. Oh nice, mate. <laughs> nice. That's good. I, do you live on the north your family on the North Island or South Island? North Island. So where Auckland yeah. is? Uh so I'm from a town called Havelock North in Hawke's Bay, which is in the east coast of the North Island, and my dad lives in Auckland. Ooh. So I was in Auckland. Mm, cheeky. Very cheeky. Is there a sports team for Havelock Bay? Is it Havelock Bay, you said? Uh, the Magpies, the rugby team. Woo! <laughs> Go Magpies! That's what i I love it. If you're on the Havelock Magpies team, give us a message, eh? Podcast <laughs> at thebuildm.com. Get it coming in. Uh, and yeah. I, the main point of this story is that I'm saying I called Liam from the Faroe Islands to New Zealand, literally the other side of the globe. So I'm like a very old man here. By the power of the wireless, we can talk to each other yeah. in real time. That is yeah. wild. Yeah. It is what When you think about it, it is mental. Yeah. Mm. Well, one, one last thing I forgot to ask you earlier. Is everyone in the Faroes really nice? Was everyone really yes. friendly? Mm. Yes. So, well, everyone we met, at least, just to caveat it. Uh, seemed very friendly, very warm, spoke really good English, as they do in most other countries around the world. Yeah, um, yeah it was really nice. It was really nice. Um, the interesting thing is there's no crime. Like, there is zero crime in the Faroe Islands. Everyone knows leave... each other, mate. So well, yeah. if, if there are any crimes committed, they can they can brush it under Honestly, the rug. You people, know? <laughs> people leave their uh, homes unlocked. People say they just—it's just like a cultural thing. They just leave the homes unlocked. No one locks the car in the town oh, centre. My dad does that in New Zealand. I'm like, hey man, <laughs> my, all my stuff's in your car. Lock, lock your car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's an amazing place. I basically did a road trip from top to bottom, right across the Faroe Islands, and I cannot wait for you guys to see that video. As I said, dropping Easter 2024 on the B1M.com. Uh, and the B1M YouTube channel. So yeah, go and check it out and let us know what you think about the Christchurch rebuilding, guys. This week's video. Get your comments coming in. Podcast at theb1m.com. So today's episode is sponsored by James Hardy. From the world's number one producer and marketer of fibre cement cladding, the Hardy Architectural Panel by James Hardy makes bringing beautiful designs to life both safe and affordable. The Hardy Architectural Panel is available in two textures, smooth sand and brushed concrete, enabling you to build modern contemporary designs that are specially formulated to give you a long-lasting, low-maintenance and consistent finish for years to come. Also from James Hardy, the A2 fire-rated panel can be trusted for protection against extreme weathering whilst providing the strength, durability and style that your clients deserve. All James Hardy facade products are backed by an industry-leading 15-year warranty. Guys, you can find more over at jameshardy.co.uk forward slash a perfect match. Regular listeners will know that when you type in jameshardy.co.uk forward slash a perfect match, you need a hyphen between A and perfect to match. So that is, well, you know what? It's down there in the podcast description. Go and find the link. Go and click on it. I'm, I'm done with describing links to you guys in umpteen detail. What I really want to know, Liam, is if you're going to buy the hardy architectural panel, mate, are you going to go for the smooth sand texture or the brushed concrete texture? I'd probably go brushed concrete. Nice. Good mm. choice. Mm. Good choice. If it, if it was a wall, I'd get a smooth sand. 
as in a sorry, as in a like a like a fence. My fence is out back, retaining walls essentially. Mm-hmm. But on the side of my okay. house, I would go brush concrete. What about you, Luke? Brush concrete, mate. Brush concrete mm. every day. I I love concrete actually as a material in homes, but yeah, I'm just yeah bougie. You know? I wonder which one they sell more of. We'll ask James Hardy guys and find out. Smooth sand or brushed concrete, they both sound very nice. There's a bit here where it talks about protection against extreme weathering and providing the strength, durability and style your clients deserve. I need that in like a face cream, really. You know, I need that for my for my face. I need style, protection from weathering, you know, all that stuff. Anyway, guys, uh, go and find out more about James Hardy over at jameshardy.co.uk forward slash a perfect match. The link is down there in the podcast description. And a big thank you to James Hardy for sponsoring today's episode. Also in the news this week, we are heading over to New York City, where a very funky new skyscraper has been unveiled. Well, a new little clutch of skyscrapers have been unveiled. This is a new four-tower development rising right next to the UN headquarters on the east side. Designed by Bjarke Ingels Group, Freedom Plaza and the Museum of Democracy is going to be constructed on a 2.7 hectare site right next to the East River. Great site, great location, a lot of responsibility here. Uh, What they've done is put together two 51-storey hotel towers linked at the top by this sort of... the, The towers are sort of one tower bent in half and they sort of link together by this very fancy sky bridge around the summit. There's also two new residential towers. whole thing is arranged around a three-block-sized public park and the very fancy-looking, spiralling Museum of Democracy. And in a very nice touch, well, I say nice touch, it's a good move for New York, the residential skyscrapers are going to contain 1,325 apartments, in case you want to know the exact number, dear listener. 1,325 apartments. Uh, of which around 40% are expected to be reserved for affordable housing. So, yeah, this was very popular last week. Uh, a lot of likes, comments and feedback across our social media accounts. But the big question is, what did Luke Bly and Liam Marsh think? Um, I'm surprised old uh, Peter Coy from the New York Times hasn't written up an article slating it for being too gimmicky. <laughs> um, yeah. You've got him for him now, haven't you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just, it seems rich. It's like, bro, come on, mate. Like, you know. Um, no, I, I I actually really like this design. I think it is a little bit out there. And I think it would be a welcome addition to that part of New York, mate. Yeah, I, th- I, I, I think this is a big win. If you, uh, pardon the pun, because big <laughs> builds, big group. Um, nice. Yeah, yeah. Cheers, mate. Cheers, yeah. I think, yeah. I think it complements the skyline. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it definitely it complements the skyline. I think I think yeah, it looks good. Mm. Yeah, uh, Jared Miller is saying last time I was there, I noticed that huge empty lot. It was insane to me. There was that much undeveloped space in Manhattan in a prime location. Well, mm. there you go, Jared. We're packing some skyscrapers onto that now as well. Uh, Sam, very loyal, fantastic Sam, is saying nice on the inside, a bit silly on the outside, and isn't it well known that anything that has to say it's about democracy usually means it's a long way from it (laughs) he's written jokes afterwards but yeah (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, the name is the name is staff what do fred do you like this do you think it's a good design um 
do you know i do quite like it. i think it's quite difficult to put something that big and imposing right next to the un headquarters i think they've done it in a way that does fit with the surrounding context um yes yeah no i, I like it i think it's different it's eye-catching while still being in keeping with the surrounding area which is not an easy thing to do um i'm excited to see you know Bjork Ingalls has been doing, doing a few interesting, impressive projects lately, as they do. You know, they're always knocking things out. But excited to see what he's going to do for Liam's uh, kitchen refurbishment. So, mm. <laughs> what's he going to bring in? I have to say, uh, Bjork Ingalls also last week, under the cover of this big news story, slipped out some very ugly skyscrapers down in Texas somewhere uh, that we chose not to cover because they were ugly as hell. For balance. So... So, it's not yeah for balance. Houston, Texas. There you go. It's not it's not wall to wall nice buildings from big. I thought the other thing they put out down in Houston was bang average. Yeah, Sorry, that's Yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> I agree. But Peter's not going to write a article about Houston, is he? So <laughs> Oh, Pete, mate. Yeah. Oh, maybe oh, Houston. Houston has a problem. It's got ugly skyscrapers. Bang, there you go. There's your headline. Very good. Very maybe good. Maybe I will write it up. Mm. <laughs> Uh, also in the news this week, we're heading over to somewhere we never cover, Dubai. Yep, we're here again, uh, where two twin skyscrapers are, are set to be constructed. These are designed by Foster and Partners. Uh, one is 150 metres tall, so technically just a skyscraper. That is called Vela. Uh, and there's one 180 metres tall called Vela Viento. Uh, all of these have got high-rise apartments, of course. Of course, we've got luxury high-rise apartments. Uh, and one of them is sort of split in two. It's one building, but got two cores. There's sky bridges and stuff going on between it. Uh, if you can't see these renders, because why could you? It's a audio medium. We've got infinity pools. We've got sun decks. We've got uh, looks like an Audi R8 up on up on one of the balconies in the first render. Sunshine. Sorry, not the first render. A few renders down. Um, yeah, and of course, in the first shot, we've got the Burj Khalifa. Just so you know where you are. <laughs> it's a reminder, mate. Yeah, don't forget, don't forget where you are. Yeah, no, I think, uh, I think this is a tidy little design, mate. I don't think yeah. it's earth shattering. Uh, I don't think it no. needs. It, it doesn't need to be. But I like that um, all of the balconies are so exposed. Um, it feels a bit Miami. Feels a bit yeah. Miami. Mm. Yeah, so maybe it's not quite for Dubai, but I think sometimes, sometimes, not always, sometimes Dubai struggles with identity, with an architectural identity, with a vernacular, right? Mm. Um, yeah. Not kitsch. No, not quite. <laughs> I wouldn't say this is quite kitsch, Mr. No. Mills, but it's, uh, yeah, yeah. That third shot, that pool, I tell you, just sat there on a hot day with a cold San Miguel. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Bring now, it, now we're talking, Bring mate. It is very Miami. We've just finished watching uh, Griselda on Netflix, which is very Miami-based. Oh. My little recommendation. One to go and check out. Very nice. Yeah. Well, not a nice. It's interesting. No. <laughs> Nicely produced show. Yeah. <laughs> 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 A few comments here. Uh, Gareth, my mate Gareth uh, from Australia, saying Dubai is just another level. Other people saying it's tacky. Uh, Bradley saying, how did that car get there? It's a good question, Brad. We don't know how it got up there. There's nothing, no mention of a sky lift, but maybe they've just plonked it on the renders. Um, yeah, so interesting. Good feedback. Nice looking. As you say, Luke, not setting the world on fire. Mm. 
but very solid for Dubai. Someone commented, Bradley said, how did that car get there? What's he talking about? Have I missed something? Well, Where's... this is what I mean. So the, oh. I think, fifth or sixth along, there's just a car up on one of the oh, terraces. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is. Parked right next to the pool, which feels dangerous. Yeah, that is a bit weird. That is a bit weird. Okay. Mm. All right. Uh, Matthew, so I'll just throw this one. Matthew saying, great designs. Some of the more cozy and more human scale architecture I've seen for Dubai, which mm. I would agree with, actually. Mm-hmm. This is a bit more, does feel a bit more homely if yeah. your home is a uh, multi million pound apartment in Dubai. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, swinging over to the inbox, what have we got this week, Luke? Mate, we've had uh, we've had some emails coming into the inbox lately. Um, we can't cover all of them, but we're going to start off with one from Mitchell Frost, who says, Hi guys, love listening from New Zealand to the podcast every single week. He just wanted to know our thoughts on the proposed new Auckland Waterfront Stadium. Have you guys heard of this? The Auckland no. Waterfront Stadium? I can send, uh, let me just send a link. I'll send a link on the old recording software. Or should I put it? Yeah, I'll do it on there. So there you go. Look, there's a link, right, to an article covering it. Uh, Mitchell goes on to say the Auckland Waterfront Stadium has always been kicked around, but nothing has ever happened. I love the new proposal, but I doubt it will ever happen. Um, and then he says, Liam, you're going to have to help me out here, mate. Is it Niar Mahi? What? Uh, what? What's that? <laughs> what are you trying to say? I've seen How that. I, I... NGA. Is it Nigya? NGA Mahi. <laughs> Obviously, it's, you know. Yeah. It's just Google, man. I'll put yeah, you right. Around. Okay. All right. We'll stick with the stadium. Liam, Liam pronounces things weird, as we know. That's true. We've long established. <laughs> On this podcast, that's true. Last time I, last what a time nice! I, I haven't. Last time I pronounced uh, some New Zealand with some Maori words on this show, and someone emailing complaining about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think it's beautiful. The Auckland style. I, well, I wasn't aware of that. Mm. I, I like the uh, the little pun in his email. Kicked around. Yeah. Noise. Yeah, very good, isn't it? It's very good. Uh, with that, I'm gonna. That, we're gonna feature that on Instagram. It's there beautiful. Yeah, it's cool, isn't it? It's really very cool. nice. Yeah, yeah, I like it, Mitchell. Yeah. See what we'll you've do done, mate. Yeah, absolute legend. Yeah. Big up, Mitchell, as well, all the way from New Zealand, listening to this podcast on yeah. the New Zealand episode as well. Yeah. Fantastic. I know. I thought that was nice little co- cohesive interaction, right? Yeah, Social. Clever. What's even clever. crazy? So the, the production of this podcast yeah. is just next level, isn't it? I know. Where we like, we we'll read out a New Zealanders message on the New Zealand episode. It's, it's just. Mm. mad mad slick right uh we've got we've got tons of emails there's what there's one more from also a mitchell yeah another mitchell so it's again the, following the cohesion mitchell loring um it's a bigger email but he's basically saying look he's an urban planner in new york city he's a massive fan of the podcast um but he's he's a little bit behind on a few episodes but he's listening to a honolulu episode um the other day and he says, check out transitcosts.com to get more information about how like transit projects um, uh, are sort of funded, how much they cost. And he said it's been led by the Marin Institute of Urban Management at New York University. So transit 
Costs.com is something that I, I've looked at. It looks pretty decent. So, Fred, you might yeah. want to have a look at that, mate. Yeah. Nice so, shout. We're going to have a look at that. Yeah. Yeah. So, there we go. The two Mitchells, mate, coming in. You know what else happened in the Faroe Islands? Sorry. The Faroe We went to yeah. a. <laughs> we went to a very remote island, which was uh, way in the south. And this is tiny island. It's got like a thousand people on it. Uh, and we interviewed someone in their house because we're getting more of a feel for um, how the infrastructure of the Faroe Islands has affected their life, what life's like there. Uh, and the guy was a big fan of the B1M on a remote island in the Faroe Islands. How crazy is that, eh? Got to be There's done. There's not a corner of this planet we don't touch now. Ugh, mate. Huge. Huge. Mate, I can't wait to get an email from our like, most dedicated listener in Pyongyang. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. Oh, lovely. We love we love your messages coming in, guys. We really appreciate it. Um, the two Mitchells. Who'd mm. have thought two Mitchells in a week? Mm. Proof that we don't make this up. Yeah, it's real. There's a real. You, you couldn't put that down. No, you couldn't write that. Mm. No. Uh, get your messages coming in, guys. Podcast at the B1M.com. Don't forget, you can learn more about today's episode sponsor, James Hardy, over at jameshardy.co.uk forward slash a perfect match. The link is down there in the podcast description. Please. If you're on Apple, leave us a nice review. Just write a review. A quick review. Just write the word great and click five stars. Done. If you're on Spotify, <laughs> there's a very simple button. Click the five star button. We want to try and get that over 400 reviews. Easy. The one button thing. Take you no time at all. Please go and do that. And as always, guys, we're going to see you next week. What an intro, eh? What an intro. That's good. Yeah, mate, you are a traitor for not liking the London skyline. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> London skyline's I'm not, well I, good. I'm not entertaining that. You, all you ever do is moan traitor. about Sydney. <laughs> you moan about you moan about the roads. You moan about the price. Yeah. You say you love the weather, but then you don't yeah. want to be there. You say you miss London at Christmas. Nah, Liam loves Liam loves London. Miss, I didn't say miss London at Christmas. I said London's better in Dece- the start of December. Liam's default is complaining about stuff. He, he's not. He's, he's happiest when he's complaining. Oh, he's lived in London too long. <laughs> oh. <laughs>